right. Welcome to OBR Weekly. It's Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. It's time for me and Fred to do this thing called OBR Weekly. How you doing, Fred? I'm doing great. Well, that's Refreshed after a week in North Carolina and back into it, getting ready for the beginning of the off season. So that's where it all begins is pretty much here in March. Yeah, absolutely. We're getting ready to rock and roll. Uh, the combine is going on uh, on March 11th. The tampering period for free agency begins. So we're starting to get back into the groove a little bit here with the off season. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll have people hang out with us here tonight and ask questions. As you know, if you are uh, uh, frequent guests of this program, uh, we are dependent on your comments and questions uh, to really guide the program. Uh, we prepare a couple things, you know, to talk about before we come in. But really, we want to talk about what you want to talk about. Uh, and uh, therefore, uh, we rely on what shows up in the chat room. And so far, we've got a couple of questions in the chat room, Fred. I don't think any of them are football related <laughs> yet. Uh, but... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll answer pretty much anything uh, that, that comes our way. Uh, if that's what you want to talk about, that's what we'll talk about. So uh, uh, let's, uh, let's roll with it. Um, if you're coming in from YouTube, uh, please feel free to slam that like button. So uh, as always, we can fool the Google algorithm uh, into thinking uh, that this is a great program for Cleveland Browns fans. We hope it is, but uh, we need to convince Google, so please slam that like button and uh if you're on twitch as many of our friends are uh feel free to follow and subscribe as we try to get uh our twitch viewership uh to uh, uh to increase over the course of the next year or so as we remain dedicated to that channel as well so we got a lot going on uh over the first couple of days out in indianapolis friend uh we got uh brad and noah out there keeping track of everything that's going on uh and uh we've got reports filling up the front page of the obr please stop by uh let's go into a couple of the things that have been said uh in the first couple of days here uh kevin stefanski uh talked to the media today and he talked to a lot about his new offensive coordinator ken dorsey um he wished alex van pelt well in new england said a lot of positive things about him uh, that the Patriots media is uh, getting uh, all excited about. Um, but um, he talked a lot about Dorsey and said Dorsey and Stefanski will be traveling to the left coast uh, in the next week or two to, uh, quote-unquote, check in on uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, Noah made a good point in, in his article uh, about uh, Ken Dorsey's history. He's He's worked with... Cam Newton and Josh Allen, both of whom are quarterbacks known for sort of absorbing a lot of contact, <laughs> shall we say. I mean, you watch Josh Allen, he's not shy about contact. And we learned last year what happens when Deshaun Watson takes contact. He's not necessarily built like those other guys. Uh, how worried are you about that sort of aspect of Ken Dorsey's management of, of quarterbacks. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if you're saying he is 
running them into peril, but I just think that's part of Watson's game. I mean, that's what attracted the Browns to him is his mobility. I mean, the the quarterback position today is becoming um, a mobile quarterback driven league. All your pretty much top quarterbacks are mobile nowadays. You know, the Lamar Jacksons, Patrick Mahomes, Mm -hmm. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, um, right on down the line. And that's an element that's hard to script. We saw what happened with Lamar Jackson. This year he stayed healthy. The Ravens were, you know, on the doorstep of the Super Bowl. The teams that didn't have quarterbacks stay healthy weren't in the final four. The final four teams all had quarterbacks that played all year. The biggest Mm -hmm. thing Deshaun Watson has to do is stay on the field. So he has to learn to run out of bounds or do like Patrick Mahomes isn't the best, the most fleet of foot, but he is able to scramble, get first downs, even if they're design plays, but gets out of bounds and keeps himself on the field. That's the number one thing that Deshaun Watson has to do is stay on the field. I think Andrew Barry's talked about it. I think Kevin Stefanski's talked about it. I think if there's nothing else, they go over and drill into Watson's head all off season is you're better to take a sack or to go down with a slide than try to get one extra yard and take right. a pop on your shoulder, you know, or on your ankle or your leg. There's some things you can't avoid, but you have to, you know, keep yourself protected. And we've seen, Guys like Russell Wilson, you know, has been able to play for a long time and keep himself out of harm's way. Mm-hmm. And and Lamar Jackson was able to do it this year. You right. put a correlation. The previous two years, Jackson got hurt. He ended the year on injury reserve. Where were the Ravens? Not good. You saw what happened, you know, with the Browns. You know, they ended up making the playoffs, but I don't think anybody felt they were, you know, ready for the Super Bowl. For them to contend, Deshaun Watson has to play almost all the games, but he certainly has to be healthy down the stretch and into the playoffs for the Browns to have a chance to win the Super Bowl or even get there. Right. And, you know, Cleveland Browns fans, I think, are very concerned about the backup quarterback position because they want to hedge their bets with Watson being injured, you know, so often. And, in fact, we ran an article today about the backup position where, you know, you advocated, uh, it's a VIP story, but I don't think I'm uh, going to uh, shock anyone that's by saying that you advocated a veteran quarterback who could fill in ably for Deshaun Watson should he get hurt. But you look around the NFL, I mean, the backup quarterbacks who are out there are not a lot of stars out there. I mean, with a lot of teams, you you, you enter your, your uh, first-string quarterback in, it gets really grim after that. There aren't too many teams that have capable, you know, uh, backup quarterbacks around the NFL. It doesn't seem that way. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying teams throw in the towel, but when they lose their quarterback, they pretty much throw in the towel. I mean, Aaron Rodgers went down, if I believe, it was the fourth play of the season. Mm-hmm. And they kept saying things, but they sure didn't act like they were expecting to win I mean, when they kept throwing Zach Wilson out there and, 
you know, and they let their season get away from them. Right. And you think about Joe Flacco had been with that team all the previous year and they didn't even call him. He could have hit the ground running, you would have thought. But anyway, um, most teams are not going to be able to do it unless they're totally dominated by a great defense and they win by defensive play and really don't rely at all on quarterback play. Not too many teams are built that way. With that said, you're right. I mean, the majority of the backup quarterbacks, it's a who's who's list of anonymity. You know, you don't even, I mean, there's guys playing, they'd show the highlights and and I'm like, who is that guy? I don't even know where, you know, I heard, might've heard the name, but you know, that, that is just the way it seems to be. But with that said, that costs the Browns. And I just think Dorian Thompson Robinson, he's their plan long-term, but because of the way this year went, he really didn't get enough experience to say uh, you can go into the season with him as your backup. I think you'd be better bringing Josh Dobbs back for that role again. Go back to what you were planning last year with Dobbs second and um, DTR third. That is if you if you don't feel like you can sign Flacco or Jacoby Brissett or somebody like that. The fact of the matter is, if I'm Joe Flacco, as great as he did with the Browns, I'm sitting on my couch and waiting for somebody to get hurt because if he commits and signs with a team in free agency, yeah, he gets mm-hmm. some security. But if he really wants to play, he's going to sign with a team that already has a quarterback and he would either be betting on that guy getting hurt or mm-hmm. betting that he could beat him out at some point during the season. Right. right. But think of that strategy, not that he planned it that way, but that's a pretty good strategy because you know, somebody's going to get hurt Absolutely. and that or enviable position. Now that he put a resume together, what he did with the Browns, I would think somebody would call him right away. And yeah, and then you're going in to start. So mm-hmm. I don't know what he'll choose, but a lot of people, you know, I can't blame him if he doesn't come right back to the Browns, you know, right. even though he said the right things and the Browns say the right things, unless you just blow the guy away and say, we'll give you a 10 million guaranteed, you know, the, the fact of the matter is you don't want him to play. You don't want a backup to play because right. if the backup plays, it means Watson got hurt again. Right. I get that's a real situation, but I just don't think it's realistic unless he just does it out of the kindness of his heart. I think if he really wants to play as far as Flacco, he would look for the best opportunity to play because if he comes here, he knows he's not playing. Same way with Brissett. Brissett went to Washington. He got money, and I think he thought he was going to be a starter. It wasn't until after free agency then we heard that Sam Howell was going to be the starter. I think he felt like he was going to be the starter or he was going to be the in competition. There's going to be those opportunities out there, but um, it's kind of like musical chairs. After the early part of free agency – if there are any decent backup veterans, that's when they would be available because they're all wanting to play and they're all wanting to get as much as they can, I would assume. 
So I don't think Josh Dobbs is great, but for what they want to do, you know, he would be a viable option over DTR to at least start the season, or at least you'd have two of them. So you right. wouldn't have, have to put all your eggs in DTR's basket. You'd at least have, you know, you, you think about Dobbs, he's a short-term fix. The Cardinals, he was the talk of the NFL until he wasn't. And then he was the talk of the NFL, the Vikings until he wasn't. Right. But if your quarterback is out for the season, yeah, you don't, you probably can't get a guy that you want, you know, in that regard. So I think that's how you'll end up something like that. Yeah. I think it'd be great if you got Flacco, but I do think that it would cause a lot of, no matter what they say, Watson struggles at all. All you're going to hear is turn to Flacco because of what he showed in his time on the field. But I think he's earned himself an opportunity, you know, to, it worked sitting on the couch and he had no, now I think he's going to get the first call of any starting guy that goes down. And if, and if Watson went down early, you know, he'd probably jump on coming to the Browns and he knows the system, but I can't, I can't imagine him um, not given the chance to see what's out there instead of just saying, yeah, I want to be the backup in Cleveland because I liked it so well there. Yeah, well, let's hope it doesn't come to that. Give me 16 games to Deshaun Watson for once, please. You know, let's see how that goes uh, for once. Uh, injury gods, please. Uh, let's take this question from Manimal, 1955. He says, is there any chance – that Andrew Berry could trade for a first-round pick this year uh, to sleep perchance to dream. Uh, Fred, do you think that that is anywhere near the realm of possibility? No, not unless you give up a first, you know, a first-line player. Mm. I, I don't, you know, if you trade a Greg Newsom or Jedrick Wills or any of those former first-round picks, I don't think you're going to get a first-round pick for them. Um, you might throw in a player like that and maybe you're, I don't, I haven't looked at the chart. I don't know if you'd have to throw in like a, a starter, like I mentioned, and a second round pick your, your highest pick or a third round or what it would take to do it. But I really don't think, you know, and I might be totally wrong on this. One of the reasons I didn't feel is I didn't go to the combine because the Browns don't have a first round pick last year. Everybody was hyped up on their second round pick. What happened with their second round pick? They traded it to get Elijah Moore. That's what I see as more realistic is they are trying to win now. So I don't think unless you're getting a top five pick and you can get a Marvin Harrison, I don't know, you know, what you can do where I think right now, wide receiver on offense is the number one, you know, addition. Not everybody would agree with me there, but I don't think even in the second round, you're going to be able to get a guy that, you know, for sure is going to step right in and be a starter or top of the line player. I mean, I think a Zay flowers last year, but I think he was a first round pick. Not too mm-hmm. many for not too many wide receiver rookies 
are that great as in their first year. It takes some time. I think the Browns want somebody that can hit the ground running and you're going to get them in a trade or in free agency. I lean towards the trade because currently their two starting wide receivers came in a trade for draft picks, Amari Cooper and mm-hmm. Elijah Moore. Mm-hmm. I think they, if I was them, I would look for a disgruntled veteran, you know, or someone that's a salary cap casualty. You know, I was just reading about the Chargers, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Okay. Yeah. They got $30 million type contracts or whatever, but I'm sure you can do what you did with Amari Cooper and restructure and do some things, work the magic like Jack Duffin's always talking about and get somebody like a Mike Williams in here who would be similar to Amari Cooper and even be better or ahead of Elijah Moore. Then you have another big time weapon for Deshaun Watson. And I'm just scratching the surface on these guys that have big salaries that teams would try to move on from. I'm sure there's other ones out there, but somebody that they like that could come in and play right now and not go to free agency because you're going to, after all the taggings done, you're going to get maybe not the cream of the crop, but have to pay through the nose to get them because they're the best available. So a trade right. just makes the most sense to me. That's what they've done in the past. Even Zadara Smith came in a trade and they redid his contract. So <clears throat> as far as the draft, the first round pick, I just don't think they want to give up, you know, what's necessary. Plus, I don't know if that helps you that much this year. Right. I really don't because unless, you know, you I don't know what position you feel like you could get that would start on this team. By my estimate, if you count the injured guys returning, they have 16 or 17 starters already under contract. Mm-hmm. And the three, four, five positions that are not under contract, I think there's a very good chance that they re-sign one, two, three, or four of those guys. In other words, you know, if they want them, they could probably get them back or they could find an upgrade in free agency on a one-year or two-year shorter-term contract. So I just think that they're not in a position to go all in to get a first-round pick. Just because you get a first-round pick doesn't mean they're going to be – it's great for the draft and following the draft and all that, Mm. but I don't know if it helps them on the field this year. I mean, do you think it does? Uh, I don't think that there is – at a position that they need – I think it'd be very tough for them to get a sure thing in the bottom of the first round, which is where they would wind up if they had to draft and if they had to trade up into the first round and it would be unbelievably expensive. The only sure thing I see them getting, you would be like a Marvin Harrison. You're not going to be able to get to him and, and whoever the top edge or the top DT, they're all probably top 10 picks. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, a follow-up question here from Vincent. He says, what surprise trade would you predict AB will make this offseason? So let's not zero in on a particular player because I don't think that we can prognosticate that. But let's talk about position. 
if you think that AB is going to make a trade, what do you think would be the most likely position that you would see him make that deal? Um, you mentioned a couple of wide receivers who might be available. Uh, there are some, you know, LeJerry Sneed now has the permission to seek a trade. Very interesting player. Uh, we have some ammo at the cor cornerback position maybe to work something out. Uh, Hassan Reddick, uh, another interesting player. There's a number of teams interested in him uh, potentially as a trade. So there's some interesting players available on defense, and there's always interesting players available at the wide receiver position, it seems, every single year. Um, if, you're, if, if, you had to, if you had to guess at a position where Andrew Berry might be able to pull something off this year, uh, what would your wild guess be? I don't want to shoot my, you know, scoop myself because I got five steps to keep the Browns in the playoffs. Okay. Popular series we've been running every year, but I have that'll start the five days before free agency. I think towards the end of next week. But um, wide receiver, I mean, that mm -hmm. has been like I said, your two starting wide receivers were both acquired by Andrew Barry in a trade. Why wouldn't you use that blueprint? Obviously, there's got to be somebody that you think, you know, is worthy of that. But think about Amari Cooper, okay? He, he's sitting there in Dallas with a $20 million thing. They had drafted C.D. Lamb. Jerry Jones is mad at him because he missed a COVID game. So he trades him. Right. For a fifth-round pick, you got to be kidding me. Sure, you have to – you got the salary deal, but – Andrew Barry immediately restructured, you know, and kicked it, you know, and, and they seem to have no trouble as Jack Duffin always points out. I mean, he's, you know, he's ready to move on from certain guys quicker than I am because of their right. contract in 2030, but um, <laughs> just kidding. But as far as, and then Elijah Moore last year, that was the highest pick. That was like the 44th pick in the draft is what they had last year. I think, and they traded it to get Elijah Moore. Now, I don't know if he did what they were hoping he'd do, but I mm -hmm. think he could be really good as the third receiver, but not, I don't, I don't know if he's the ideal number two guy. I would like to see him have a wide receiver that's complements Amari Cooper, that as right. much as, as much of a threat as Cooper is, or better than Cooper, even a little younger. I don't know if that guy exists, but like I said, a Mike Williams, okay. He was hurt all this year. He's been kind of injury prone. I think he's got a $32 million type salary. The, the chargers with a new coach are probably going to move on from him. And if you could trade a fifth or sixth round or whatever pick to get him, you know, obviously you got to work out the financials and I don't know how all that works, but it seems like, you know, Deshaun Watson's teammate at Clemson was a guy named Mike Williams. And and by some regards, he's been regarded as the best wide receiver in history at mm -hmm. Clemson. And they had DeAndre Hopkins, Sammy Watkins, some other guys. So I'm just throwing that name out there. There are other guys, like, like I'm saying, Amari Cooper, I didn't even realize he was on the radar when that happened. 
Right. Um, I don't know wide receivers that are out there, but I can almost guarantee you, like you said, there's teams that are starting over or moving on and getting rid of really good players and you can get them and then you know what you have and you're not getting into a bidding war. Okay. Right. Like everybody's talking about T Higgins. Okay. You know what would have happened if T Higgins would have made free agency. I mean, teams would have been been paying so much money for him that you really it would be irresponsible, you know, probably right. to do that. And so that's that's what I see. So I think wide receiver in my uh, you want to get as many if Deshaun Watson is who you've hitched your wagon. He is your quarterback. You want every possible weapon for him. You already have a question mark at running back with the injury to Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. And you have Cooper and Najoku, to me, are the only two real weapons. And, and you're really thin, in my opinion, at wide receiver still. You hope Tillman steps up or David Bell, but I don't think you can count on them. And you hope Elijah Moore you know, is better. But right now, I don't think he really puts uh, the fear of God in any defense. You need another top flight wide receiver. And the best way to get that right now for 2024 is a trade on defense, on the defensive line, either like Zadarius Smith last year, you get a guy like that. You mentioned Hassan Reddick or a defensive tackle to go with Dalvin Tomlinson. They got three guys that are free agents that were in the rotation. Two of them they signed last year to a one-year deal. I think they probably could bring back one or two of those guys mm-hmm. again for another year. But you got to get more on the front line up front on the defense. Um, you mentioned Hassan Reddick. The only thing makes me a little leery there is if a guy has to be traded the reason is, is because he wants a big time deal. And mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. if you can trade for him and, you know, sign him to a one year or two year deal. You know, you'd probably have to do Zadarius Smith and agree that he's a free agent at the end of this year if he doesn't get the offers that he was thinking he's going to get. So, I mean, I like Reddick, but there's a re- there's some reason that. The Eagles are ready to trade him. He has to be traded, that kind of stuff. I get a little weary about that. Guy like Cooper didn't ask to be traded, and the Browns were able to get it same way with Elijah Moore. So Mm -hmm. their job is to know all the personnel in the NFL, and there has to be a group of guys that they can hone in on and say, this would be a good fit. Yep, yep. Um. Totally agree with that. You know, you mentioned T. Higgins. There's already rumors out there that the Bengals would uh, be willing to deal T. Higgins. Uh, you know, they're going to sign him to the, the franchise tag. But, you know, uh, they did that with uh, their uh, safety last year. Uh, they signed him, played him for, signed him a franchise tag for a year, and then, you know, got rid of him. Uh, but rumors that the, the Bengals might be willing to deal T. Higgins. Uh, I've already seen one article out there drawing the line. Hey, the Browns, maybe they should tra- trade for T. Higgins, you know, at this point. 
Why in the world would the Bengals trade him <laughs> exactly. to the Browns? That's where I was That'd going. Be like the Browns trading Nick Chubb to the Bengals or <laughs> Miles Garrett or Denzel Ward or, you know. That's, that's, that's exactly right. That's, that's where I was going with it. He ain't coming to Cleveland, folks. <laughs> He's not I coming mean, from Cincinnati to Cleveland. <laughs> if he was a free agent then I could see them really hurting the Bengals by adding him like they did a few years ago when they got Kevin Zeitler. And even before him, they signed that tackle, big free agent contract. Can you remember mm. his name right now? But you know Side what knock. I'm saying? They're yeah. not trading him to the Browns. Right. And if, if they sign him to an offer sheet, then what they – you know, they could stick it to the Browns by if the Browns signed him, knowing that, you know, they could let him go and the Browns have to give him like two first round picks and, you know, yeah. and, and stick to him financially. But I, that's not going to happen. Uh, Fumble 13 reminds me, Jesse Bates is the name of the player I was thinking of. Thank you, Fumble 13. Let's uh, let's talk just briefly about our sponsor, uh, Core Home Fitness. Uh, you should be aware of them by now if you are a regular viewer of the program. Uh, corehomefitness.com is their home base. Uh, you can check them out there. Uh, they make the best adjustable dumbbells on the planet. Uh, they make the seats that you sit on to, to use them. They make the holders for them. They make all this sort of stuff. Uh, as Paul points out, I am now jacked uh, because of uh, my... Uh, uh, acquiring these adjustable dumbbells. No, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Uh, it's going to be a while. I've got a long way to go. But uh, I do have the best adjustable dumbbells on the planet, according to the New York Times and Men's Health. Uh, they're also rated a best buy by Consumers Reports. These people know what they're doing. Uh, you can crush your goals in 2024 by taking advantage of their A-plus customer service their fast shipping, their hassle-free returns, and so on and so forth. Check out corehomefitness.com for the ultimate in home fitness equipment. And thank you very much to Core Home Fitness for sponsoring the Orange and Brown Report, as well as The Lift, a new section in the Newswire every single day. Uh, we've got some more questions. I have something I wanted to talk to you about, Fred which hasn't come up in our comments and questions list yet. And that is a report issued by the NFLPA today, which are report cards on all these individual teams, right? And they offer grades on coaches and strength staff and friendliness to families and all that sort of stuff. And the Browns placed sort of in a typical place for them during the expansion era in the bottom third on these report cards. Uh, they were ranked 23rd overall. They took hits specifically for their weight room and their locker room. Uh, in the weight room, specifically an issue as it's been located in that indoor practice facility. Here's a quote from the report. The category grades for the Browns reflect the sentiments of the players, that the club is doing just enough to create a passable experience for the players with below average standards, but not doing nearly enough to create a high-quality workplace environment. That's, uh, that's what the NFLPA said. Now, I'm about to break down in tears about these terrible working conditions, Fred. Uh, maybe you can tell me, are they really that bad? And do you think that they uh, uh, 
uh, impact the team's ability to attract the best players? Oh, boy. I've been around this stuff for 30 years. I mean, these guys are so pampered. Don't get me started. I realize it's 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 all, you know, relevant, but I think what dragged down their grade was the weight room. And, yeah, that is out there. When COVID, they had to move it, and they moved it out into the field house, which the field house was a, mm-hmm. like 60 yards to begin with. So now they're, they don't have a big – 100 yard field it's still pretty doggone nice but mm-hmm. <laughs> um i'd like to have the money just they have with the weight equipment you could right. talk about core home fitness um but the other one was was you know again the locker room facilities again good night i they they got room but they don't have maybe as spacious a quarters as they used to. I mean, I used to remember going at Baldwin Wallace when they were there and at the old stadium. I mean, but I I know this is 2024 from a media standpoint, they always make us go in the locker room and do our interviews. And Mm -hmm. it is so loud in there. You can't hardly hear them because they put the podium and it's kind of in the middle of the locker room. So from Mm -hmm. that standpoint, yeah, that would be great, you know, and so to me, if you throw me an extra million, I'm not going to complain. I'll put up with, you know, rubbing shoulders with a guy next to me or, or you know, having to wait my turn in the weight room. But I think that's all going to be, you know, Stefanski today said they're already building a new weight room. Right. If you've been out to Bria like I have, the Haslam's have bought, at least 30 houses around Berea. I think mm-hmm. it's closer to 40 or more and they're leveling them and they just keep expanding. They, I believe are going to build a whole new field house, you know, and it, the indoor thing will be, you know, probably the full hundred yards and all that as well. They're going to have everything they want. Maybe it's not today, <clears throat> but I think it. I think they'll rectify that. There's a reason they're buying all that property because they want to keep expanding. They got so much stuff in there: indoor pools, indoor. I mean, it is unbelievable. I mean, yeah. So don't don't feel bad for the players. I mean, this is okay. They had to rate, and then when you rate, you know, thirty two teams. And you come out, yeah, I mean, you could, I don't think there's a biggest drop in overall. It's really, when they redo them, whoever renovates it the quickest will move up the list. But, right, you know, yeah, which, that's what's important. It's a question of which billion-dollar organization can build the best facilities for players who expect nothing but the best, right? Um, and, uh, you know, I... I don't blame them for giving grades out, you know, if they're unhappy with the facilities or whatever, but. Uh, well, it's going to uh, move. It's going to move it, you know, to get things done, you know, and mm-hmm. like Stefanski said, you know, oh yeah, we're already, they knew that. And 
believe me, the one things the Haslam's aren't cheap. I mean, they're here, no. you know, they're proactive on these things. They're not trying to save a nickel here or there. Like I said, they're buying homes, you know, like I'm not saying like mine, but like say the average person lives on that street that just bought their house just to blow it over to, mm. you know, expand their, their facilities. And right. There's a lot of spacious ground. It seemed like every time I went down there this year, I'd leave on a Friday. I'd go back Monday. Holy mackerel. Two more houses are down, you know? And right. it's like, they were like gone. Like there wasn't even any sign that the, other than the mud. So yeah, they have, they have big plans, I think. And I think all those things will be addressed. I was a little more concerned with how the players looked at Kevin Stefanski, had him ranked like really low or something you know, mm -hmm. and a couple yeah. of those things, but I'm not too worried about, you know, if the worst was their weightlifting facility and their um, locker room, they're going to get all that stuff. They, they get what they want, you know, in this, in this world. Right. Believe me, they have players like the star players are on committees with them and they say, what do you think we should do? They're, they're already, on that stuff, knowing what they need to keep doing to attract more, better free agents. But the bottom line is you throw money like the Browns are throwing at a lot of these guys, they're going to be able to attract people. You know, if somebody says, well, I'm not coming there because the locker's not big enough, you know, they'll give him another locker. There's, there's plenty there's several of the players that have two lockers side right. by side. They can, they can figure that out. They can figure that out. And as uh, Broken Arrow points out, uh, Jimmy Haslam, Jimmy and D do not lack for cash at this point after having gotten uh, a nice little payout from Berkshire Hathaway for pilot uh, Y&J. &J. Uh, so uh, they're loaded with dough at this point if they want to build a nicer weight room. And, uh, they should Nothing. invest in the OBR. Why not? Why not? I mean, it is a money machine. You know, let's face it. If you want high margins and stuff like that, just plow it right into the, the OBR. But that's his decision. You know, the NFL is a money printing machine, so he's already got one. At any rate, let's uh, go on to some of the other questions. This is from Drew in Brick City. Tight end Janu Smith. Could he be on the radar after getting cut in Atlanta? I picked this question out because uh, I certainly hope so. Um, you know, Aikens didn't exactly light the world on fire. Uh, Harrison Bryant's not a guy I really trust to produce. Uh, Johnu Smith uh, had some success uh, this last year. Do you think the Browns could be looking to maybe upgrade a little bit at the tight end position, Fred? Well, he had a breakout year by David Njoku, went to the Pro Bowl, but behind him, yes. I mean, I think Harrison Bryant, you know, came out with high hopes. He was like the John Mackey Award fourth-round pick. And really, as a rookie, I really thought he was going to uh, blossom, but he mm -hmm. seemed to plateau and become like a kind of like a possession receiver blocker. He didn't really have much runs after the catch except the playoff game. He did have like a four – his longest run, I think, of his career, 47 yards or something on that same pattern that Najoku had. But with that said, he's a free agent. The Browns didn't extend him last year. And as Jack Duffin again pointed out, 
he had an escalator clause and they would probably have cut him, but he renegotiated his contract before mm-hmm. the final cuts and they gave him some guaranteed money, but overall he was getting about half of what he was supposed to get. So I think he would be a guy that they're going to move on from, and I could see him doing the same thing, drafting a tight end in the fourth, fifth round or something and do the same type thing with him or sign, re-sign Bryant. They liked him. They had him in the role of the short yardage back and a blocking tight end, stuff like yeah. that. Or, um, like you said, a veteran free agent. Now, John O. Smith, he he was released, so he is now available. Sometimes they let guys go before free agency, so they're kind of like having a mini free agency before free agency. So if they like him, they can sign him now. So we'll see. You know, I don't know the reason. Was he a salary reason? Um or what his history or what the reason they cut him for. I knew they have a new coach down there and they're kind of starting over. So, mm-hmm. you know, that could be the, the reason they said, well, this is an area that we can, you know, they have Kyle Pitts. I think the young up and coming, you know, tight end. Right. <laughs> so I would think they would turn that over. I think tight ends are still going to be a friendly, um, Stefanski's always liked tight ends and Ken Dorsey had Dawson Knox and, and, and the other tight end they drafted last year was quite productive. So I think that, I think that, yes, he, he would be somebody if he fits what they're looking for, but I think they'll try to upgrade the position. Like you said, Jordan Aikens really underwhelmed. I think they signed him to a two year. So he's got Mm -hmm. another year. I don't know you know, if it's easy to get out of that or how much is guaranteed or if they would bring him back again as I think originally they were new Bryant would leave. And I thought they might assign him to two years thinking he would be the number two, you know, either last year and next this coming year or what the thing, but I don't know what they think of him now, but yeah, I think they'll add another guy either in the draft or free agency. Right. All right. Uh, let's go to one more question here before uh, I, I talk a little bit about uh, our other sponsor. And uh, this is uh, from Fumble13. He says, Fred, if you can only choose one, which is uh, unlikely that that's a question that will be asked you. But uh, theoretically, if you can only choose one, do you go to Brazil or do you go to Greenbrier for two weeks? <laughs> <laughs> I'd go to Brazil. I've never been would. there. Um, I've been to Greenbrier, been there, done that. You know, it's no, I, it was, it was fine. I think that it accomplished what it wanted to for the team last year. As far as personally, you don't get to, it's not like a vacation, you know, you're not, mm-hmm. you know, they, they had one day off and you could go on a tour of the bunker and, or go play golf or something like that. Um, but you know, I, I, am a mountain guy. I like the setting down there in West Virginia, but it was, it was more of a business trip, but if I'm just going somewhere and 
I have my choice, I'd probably go to Brazil just because I've never been there. And, you know, I've been to a few different countries, but that's one that I haven't been to. Well, I can hardly blame you, but uh, I hear good things about Greenbrier. Uh, you know, mountains, roads, dirt, they, they've got it all down there. Uh, let's see here. Let's talk a little bit about uh, OG Philly, uh, our buddy, uh, who is, uh, I think, hanging out in the chat tonight, out on Twitch. Uh, and uh, OG Philly, if you don't know, uh, is involved in the business of uh, branded apparel promo products, like you see on the screen there, and like you see uh, on uh, Fred and myself uh, at the moment. Uh, and what he does is he puts your logo on custom items uh, for your company, uh, and you can give them to your clients or members of your team, and you can reap the goodwill from doing exactly that. And I can tell you as a guy who is in the client-oriented business for 16 years or so uh, as I came out of school, uh, that this is a very, very effective way of building loyalty uh, with your customers um, and uh, uh, that they will generate positive feelings about you and your business. Uh, and it is a very smart move to contact a guy like OG Philly, uh, who will do the best for you, by you, uh, as an OBR visitor and a longtime Browns fan, uh, if you come to him through the OBR. So there's the contact information for Scott right there on your screen. Uh, feel free to reach out to him. He will get things done for you, and you will be very, very happy uh, with the result. I guarantee it. Uh, we certainly are. So thank you again, Scott, for supporting the OBR. Okay, we have got uh, a couple of questions here. Let's rock and roll our way through these. Uh, Broken Arrow asks, any details on the Denzel restructure? I know you wrote about that earlier today, Fred. Um, I would I would defer to Jack Duffin. He, had, he wrote back in October that Ward would be a candidate to restructure. And he had the dollars right down, you know, to what NFL Network reported, you know, mm. today. So he, in my story, I have the breakdown that right. Jack said that it would be. So look on there at the OBR.com and it's probably the fourth or fifth story down there. Now there's been a few others, but it has, it has in there embedded, the breakdown of what Jack projected and, and he's been accurate on most of these things. So I'm sure that it's pretty close to what he put in there because the amount was at 11 point, whatever million under the, mm -hmm. you know, the savings on the cap. And, and uh, I would just say the details are in there. Yeah, I, I, they get all yeah. their money. It's just shuffling the money around and getting it right. up front. And as Jack has pointed out, Jimmy Haslam is paying about fifty million more than any other owner in upfront these bonuses, and that's why they're able to do this. The player gets the same money; he might get it more immediately, and they would much rather have the money now than down the road. So that's why this works well for with the Browns. As Jack said, the key is, is the cash. And as long as, you know, Jimmy Haslam continues to foot the bill, you know, up front with this was with, with the cash, 
the Browns are able to sustain having all these big contracted free agents as long as they are producing. Right. Yeah, I think this involved turning salary into signing bonus that can be then prorated over several years. And Jack knows all this stuff. There's no truth to the fact that he's hacked his way into Andrew Berry's computers or anything like that. He just analyzes these spreadsheets. He's just amazing. Uh, the level of detail that he understands this stuff. Uh, question from Gagan S. He says, do you think that Andrew Berry could have done more last season if the later trade deadline was implemented? That's a very good question. Um, do you think uh, Andrew Berry might have been a little bit frustrated that teams were not willing to deal the trade deadline because they didn't know if they were going to be in or out of the playoffs? Well, I think that's was a good point that he brought up that when they expanded the season, they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't move it back. And when you look at the, the, I think look at baseball and you look at basketball, they're more towards the end of the season. So it does make more sense because teams can look and make that, that run. You know, the one thing, not too many people follow the, the major league baseball draft, um, but they do follow the trade deadline. Cause it just seems like that's something, you know, mm. where baseball players get traded, you know, for the stretch run and in football about the time, the deadline, everybody's still in it. So, right. You know, a guy that you might want, might be available a couple weeks later, but isn't available at that time because the team doesn't want to look like they're throwing in the towel if they're right. still in the playoff hunt. So, yeah, I think that will probably get adopted and make sense, and I think that I don't know a reason not to, really. I mean, but I don't know if he'd made a trade. I can't even remember at the time any rumors or whatever exactly when it was, um, but – they already, I don't know if they, at that time, it, I know they didn't sign Flacco till November 20th. Mm. And so the trade deadline, they may have traded for a quarterback if it was a couple weeks later and not even signed Flacco. I don't know. Yeah. I remember there were some players specifically on the Titans that were of interest, potential interest to the Browns and the Titans weren't sure if they were going to be in the playoffs or not and were hemming and hawing about whether they were going to be dealing people. And so, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, so I, I think it's a great move to uh, move that trade deadline back a little bit. Um, let's go on to the next question. Uh, this is from Fumble13. He says, would you rather they trade back from 54 and get an extra four this year or three next year? I'm not, I'm not sure. Like I would think at 54, is there a player you can get that can help you now? I think that you're always looking at the future, but this team has a window. They feel right now when you have your quarterback under contract, you know, to make a run, you got, you got a very good roster and this roster is not going to be overhauled. It's just going to be tweaked. It's major different from last year, you know, when they were basically overhauling the defense. Sure, a couple of those guys are free agents, but I think you're going to be able to 
if you want to bring them back, you're going to be able to bring them back. And if you do lose one or two, you're going to be able to replace them with somebody very similar, if not better. So with that said, I would rather them move from 54 up to find somebody that could help them now. And I don't know what position that is. We saw this year, a third round pick, Siaki Ika, didn't really even play. Right. Now, they were able, because they had the guys in front of him, he was able to develop and learn and hopefully that he can step in and be a rotational player next year. We're going to find out. If they go sign two, three defensive tackles, you'll know they think he's not ready still. But if they don't worry about replacing Jordan Elliott or Mo Hurst or Sheldon Harris, then that means that they think that Ika will step in. So he was taken in the third round. A 54 is kind of what? the Towards the end of the second round. Mm-hmm. I don't know what position you can get that you know is going to step in and make an impact for you this year. As I already said, I think the wide receiver position this year is deep, but I don't, I still don't know if you're going to get a guy that you know is going to step in and, and really help you immediately. I would rather trade up to find a guy that you think can come in and even if he doesn't start, can make an impact this year. If not, I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, using a pick and trading to get, like I said, a better wide receiver, a starting type wide receiver, or a starting defensive end or starting defensive tackle. Right. Well, you know, here's my deep analysis of the draft. You know, my draft expertise, I think, is pretty well known. So, you know, you may want to write this down, but at, at, at number 54, uh, I think you are going to be just shy of being able to get a starting defensive tackle. Uh, and you can probably move up a little bit and get a Michael Hall or somebody like that, you know, at, at defensive tackle who might be able to do some damage for you. Uh, I think you can get a slot receiver who might be able to start, but I don't know how badly we need a slot receiver at 54. Um, but I, I'm really intrigued by, you know, the notion of staying there you know, seeing how the draft falls and like you said, maybe moving up a little bit to get an impact player at a fairly deep position, uh, you know, and positions of need for us wide receiver, defensive tackle. I think there's some some potential there. But to answer Fumble's question, I, I think you always take the three next year as long as you're convinced that you have job security, which Andrew Barry does, right? You always maximize over the long term the value of your draft picks. Uh, unless you think you're going to get fired fired in the next year. And so I would take the three next year rather than the four this year. But I think the way this draft may fall, you may be very interested in, uh, like you said, Fred, being a little bit more aggressive to find that starter this year um, than than playing for next year. I don't know if you have enough roster spots, you know, with seven, eight draft picks this year. I mean – they have most they addressed a lot of depth last year and mm-hmm. now you're really drafting that's what the good teams do and and you want to be drafting at the bottom of the draft and this year they're in the what 23rd or something so if you had the same type of season even if you just made the playoffs and were one and out 
Next year, you're drafting at the end of the first round in the 20s. You're still not getting that blue chip player necessarily. Um, I'm, I'm talking about a sure shot type of guy at the top of the draft. And, and right. you hope you're not drafting there. So that's where I just feel like whatever assets you have, use them to help you win this year. And then as you start drafting guys like Siaka Ika and Cedric Tillman, these are guys you're developing to maybe hopefully step in when the free agents move on. That's what good teams do, but you got to have that fine balance. But right now you're, you're, you're trying to win now. That's what they were trying to do last year. And they did despite having five different quarterbacks. So, I mean, they still were 11 and six. They got a tough schedule next year. The division's always tough, but the window they feel right now is open. So you Mm -hmm. need to get players to improve your team now, not just, you know, sustain it or stay the same. Right. Right. A couple of questions of the same sort of genre. Uh, Chat username says, who is QB one and two until Watson is ready? And Broken Arrow asks, who, who's our number two quarterback uh, at this point in time? So Watson is, you know, based on what they said, is going to be ready. He's going to start throwing in March. Is there any concern that he won't be ready in time for training camp, Fred, um, based on, you know, Stefanski and Barry's comments uh, from the other day? I didn't hear any of that sort of concern myself. No, I haven't heard any of that. Everything's everything's been, he's ahead of schedule. They're going out to see him talk. You're not allowed to coach right now, but they're going to go out and visit. Ken Dorsey hasn't, hasn't, um, well, he's talked to him. I don't know, but they're going out there to just (laughs) familiarize him, talk big picture with him or, or whatever about life. But as far as the, I I don't expect any problem there. They're probably bringing him along slow. I mean, he's going to do all this working out stuff, but I think in April is when they start practicing. Mm -hmm. I mean, frankly, a lot of it's overblown to me. You go back to Joe Flacco, he comes off the couch, hadn't played, hadn't went to training camp, hadn't been around, and still, you know, was able to, to do well. They just need to put him in position to let him do, you know, explode, exploit what he does well, like mm-hmm. they did Flacco, you know? Right. It's that simple. And he's just got to stay on the field. I think if he stays on the field, he would have he would have had big numbers last year. Yeah, he certainly had uh, some good games. All right, last question of the night uh, from Fumble13. Sorry if I didn't get to your, to your question. We have a couple left, but uh, – Fumble third team wonder, wonders if either of us get nervous before a show or whether this is old hat. So, Fred, I know you get pretty tense before a show, uh, you know, shaking and shivering over there. <laughs> so. If I'm shaking, it's because I'm cold. No, I mean, <laughs> you've been around as long as I have. you kind of been there, done that. I mean, I used to. I remember going on TV, live TV in Cleveland, you know, being on channel five or something like that, that your whole life you watched, Mm. you know, that was, that was strange, you know, not just talking into a camera and not really, uh, you know, in radio, but, but now, 
the one thing I've realized, you know, a lot of people say, well, gee, why, you know, why don't you get too nervous? I found that just because I'm around the team so much that, that there's stuff I know that it just kind of is in there. I know it so well that it kind of comes second nature. So I'm, it's like anything, if you're all confident, if you're in construction, you're really good. And you know, you're not too nervous about building a house, you know exactly what to do or whatever line of work you're in. I know the product pretty well, don't always know what they're going to do with things, but the roster and what they're trying to accomplish and stuff, the topic we're talking about, okay, I might not be as familiar right today with all the draft picks and all that, but I can, I can get through a show and, and cover. I know because I know what the Browns are looking for. Right. Right. Uh, I, I personally do not get nervous before a show. Uh, I should, uh, because I have no idea what I'm going to say from one moment to the next. And, uh, uh, something pretty idiotic is bound to come out, but, uh, you know, I just figure it's just you guys watching. So, you know, you'll roll. Friends. With it, so. <laughs> exactly. 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 So thanks for the question, Fumble. I appreciate it. And thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, always appreciated. Uh, you guys are the best, uh, and appreciate all the questions, the comments, anything that we could riff on tonight. Uh, and, uh, we will see you again. Uh, next week at 7 o'clock here on Wednesday night. There'll be more results from the Combine to talk about. Uh, we'll have some rumors, I'm sure, by then about who the Browns are interested in and who they're not interested in. And we will be uh, just a matter of days away from the start of the tampering period. So there'll be a lot to talk about next week at 7 o'clock. So I will say that then. it's it's really not tampering. Free agency will be started by noon <laughs> on the 11th. Right, because I used to write down the thirteenth, and then I'd miss it. Yeah, it starts exactly. at noon when they start releasing tweets. It's already done deals. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You got to be uh, ready to rock the second that starts, and uh, we will be. We will be. All right. Thanks for hanging with us. We'll see you next Wednesday at seven. Talk to you then. See you. Good night, everybody. <laughs>